Brian, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. My guest today is an entertainment entrepreneur with a technical background. He's worked as a software engineer and a project manager, worked for the Department of Defense with an interesting twist, and at one point lived in an 86 Suburban for three years. He's currently hosts one of the top entrepreneurship podcasts out there, reaching 30 countries, 30 countries and a catalog of over 100 episodes. It should be an interesting chat. And with that, I would like to welcome to Lots to Talk About, Nicholas Natali. How are we doing, man? We're doing fantastic. I'm stoked to be here. What an intro. I'm honored. I, I mean, it was an interesting read when, uh, when your profile came up. I've been using Podmatch quite a bit, and um, I, I really enjoy reading the profiles, even if it's really not a match for me. Uh, and I read yours. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've transitioned my show more to just I like talking to people and finding out why they're doing what they're doing and how they got there. And anybody that's had kind of a, a bumpy road or a windy road, man, I, I, I'm up for the chat. So you definitely qualified for that. But uh, could you introduce yourself to my audience? I'm guessing uh, some have heard of you, some have not. Um, who are you? And then we can kind of talk about where you got there. Love it. Yeah. What a loaded question. Who am I? Uh, I, yeah. So I have a podcast now. I do that. It's called the Nicholas Natali show. I interview entrepreneurs and I'm probably similar to you in the sense. I love when people have the story of they either they make it and then they lose it all and they make it again. Or like it took, you know, ups and downs to get to where they are. Those types of stories are always fascinating to me. Uh, speaking on uh, what you mentioned earlier, I did live in a suburban for three years. So that's a that's a big part of my story and how the podcast came to be just from, you know, maybe this happens to you, too. But every time I was cook on my tailgate, somebody would come up to me and want to talk and like tell me their life story. And, you know, maybe it was them sneaking in a way to get a free dinner. But I was fine with it because the stories, you know, usually were, were, <laughs> were worth the exchange. Um, and that's kind of how I got in the podcast space. But the whole reason I moved into my car was because I came out of college with a load of student debt. Um, I only went to school for three years. I got the software engineering degree and I still came out with 60 grand. And after graduating, you know, I, I was 20 years old and just thinking to myself, what have I done? Like, how, why, how, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, at, you at least you realize that. I mean, there's a lot of people that get done and they're like, oh, this is what I got to do. And now I got to get my job and I got to pay it off forever. And like, at mm. least at 20 years old, you did it. You did it fast, first of all. Congratulations on getting through it and getting through it. Like I did it the other way. I got a, a little bit of debt, but nothing to show for it. That that mm -hmm. was my my smooth move. But at least it went, holy shit, I got to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I've, I've had this conversation recently uh, again, too, where it's like student debt for a lot of people is just something they accept that they're going to have for their entire life. But I remember the mindset that I had as soon as I found out I had it. I was like, oh, I, I don't want to be controlled by this thing for 20 years. That was like the biggest motivating factor for me of there's some there's someone or something out there telling me where my money's going to go every single month. And I hate that. Um, and I think the process to like finding what strategy to use, whether to live cheaply or live in a car was, 
you know, interesting, but I definitely took it to the extreme uh, while I was in the suburban. Like I, I, I became obsessed with paying my debt off. It was almost, yeah, it was an obsession. Like I was working. How, how did you grow up? Is this something that you learned as, as growing up? Was it something that you were motivated to do? Was, is it something just a clicked one day? Was there some, you know, was there a catalyst for this drive? I mean, you, you mentioned you didn't want to be controlled, but um, like this, this mindset seems like it came from somewhere. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I definitely have always been intrinsically motivated. Uh, I think some of it comes from my siblings are all older than me by a significant amount. Like the oldest is 16 years older than me. And then the closest in age is 10. And I think just always feeling like I wanted to like grow up quickly and like have a level of success, maybe feeling like I wanted to be kind of where they were at or just like always wanted to do the, you know, the, well, you had, you had a looking glass too, which is, right. it's kind of an advantage. Like you look at your sibling and you can criticize, you can like critically look at them and know what they've been through. Like you, you always say, uh, you can't really judge somebody cause you don't know what they've been through. Well, you kind of know what your siblings do. <laughs> And if they're miserable in their in their uh, late twenties because they're saddled with debt or this or that, you can go. I don't want to do that shit. Like, yeah, yeah, it sounds, like a, good, it sounds like a good, good, uh, good deal to me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly true. And I think I also had a lot of good influences, uh, at least in regards to to people and in books. I was recommended a lot of good books when I was young that I think kind of sh- shaped my mindset, like classics, Think and Grow Rich, The Four Hour Work Week. All of those and those kind of instill in you that if you can believe something is possible, you can make it happen. But also most of the ideas are going to be unconventional. So I think where my strategy to pay off my debt was outside of the normal, it was almost like I'm not intimidated by that. So maybe I'm more willing to jump into something that, you know, there is a big unknown and not to say it wasn't scary. Like the first, (laughs) you know, maybe like definitely the first two months like i was not sleeping you know because i was like where where did where were you doing this uh so i worked at uh camp pendleton which is in fallbrook so i was sleeping in the fallbrook uh city city of fallbrook town and then also in oceanside but at nighttime those are really not the best places like oceanside itself is like has a lot of gang affiliation and then fallbrook just stuff weird stuff happens at night at least it felt like that from my perspective sleeping in my car have you did what your, about did you though? know you were doing this did the government know that you were we were living in your suburban that's that you know that's where it always gets dicey uh <laughs> they so i'll give some context so the first day that i got the job i i rolled in i made it through the security kiosk and i go to park and my Suburban had two water jugs on top. One of them had a wire down to a sink, just gravity filtered, you know, and then from the sink, it pours straight into the ground. There was a box on top for storage and a spare tire. Um, and my first day there, they like called the bomb sniffing dogs out to like <laughs> smell my truck. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, you know? And, uh, and that was kind of a recurring theme of like, I would never tell anyone I was doing it. I would never explicitly state that I was doing it, but people were always prying to get that information out of me. Uh, but right, I, I because really that's not, that's that. not, that's not exactly legal in California, is it? Oh man, that's a great question. 
I, I mean, know. I mean, it's, it's I, I, I talked to, I mean, I've talked to somebody, <laughs> I talked to somebody that was traveling in a van, um, in a van through Arizona and through California. And they just, they talked about the difficulties in having to move quite a bit because it's okay, but not look fondly upon and it's very gray area um but like yeah so when you're dealing with the government like where where do you live man but you were you were a civilian contractor with the government correct yeah i think maybe it would have been a little more severe had i been enlisted (laughs) i have been like why aren't you just sleeping in the barracks Um, (laughs) i can't stand it it's that bad man so did you do did you do that um did you do that longer than you were out of debt did you rolling with it once you, you you satisfied the debt i did um my so my best friend who is in the military he was going to be deployed about a year like after i'd been living in it for six months a year from then he was going to get deployed and i called him and i was like hey i could get you a job at where i'm working and then ultimately you could just live in the suburban with me and he did so there's two of us living in this tiny car and I well, and I say that because he stayed in it for a year from then, and I was also living in it till that time. And I paid my debt off in eleven months, and I ended up staying in it for almost three years total, like you mentioned. And I think part of that's just because you get used to the lifestyle, you know. It's like yeah. Yeah, I kind of know what this is. I kind of have a routine, and you know. Are you uh, are that, you minimalist still? Uh, in in my mindset, not always in in my practicality. Like I think I probably use like fifteen things but i'm sure i have shirts that i'd never wear you know that just need to be thrown away um but yeah 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 that was that was a big thing going into the rv was going from 35 acre homestead with like outbuildings and tools and shit to the rafters (laughs) into an rv that's awesome how's your experience been because i feel like rv you at least you can stand up (laughs) yeah yeah um i i never like we we're talking right now so we have three saint bernards with us like we got a we got a circus we got a circus going on really um i got a 32 foot pull behind trailer with two slide outs um and we stay in about like 12 feet of it because the dogs just want to be on top of you. They weigh like mm-hmm. one's 170 pounds, one's 160 and one's like 140. And I'm six foot five, um, oh my God. like 250. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we want to get smaller. Like when the dogs are gone, we're definitely, definitely going to be way smaller uh, with the trailer. But I we look at van remodels when we were looking mm. at a tow vehicle. We looked at uh ambulance and oh, nice. um the ambulance was great, but we I couldn't stand up in the back and I'm like, yeah, I can't yeah. live without standing up. Like I gotta mm-hmm. be able to stand up. So the suburban wouldn't have worked for me. Like I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta get up and uh, it's it's hard enough in the in the trailer uh where I can't I can't stand up and reach my hands in the air. It's oh my gosh. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time outside, but it's it's great. The minimalist, the realizing what I don't need, um, going from home into the trailer in the truck, because we don't have anything. We don't have a storage locker. We don't have any place where we have stuff stashed. We have everything we own in our truck and our trailer. Um, and we, we traveled for a couple months, and then we sat down in Florida while we finished the sale of our house and we purged more 
Like I oh, was stressed out when we left that I, I, I didn't keep enough. And by the time we were on the road for three months, I purged more. They had a dumpster at the place we were staying, and I, I, uh, I purged unloaded. More. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. My wife is just like consolidating totes left and right. She's like, "I don't need this. I don't need this." And I'm like, "Me neither." So <laughs> when this trailer is done, we're gonna look around and go, "Wow, we can go like half the size. We don't have anything to put in it." Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's almost like. I feel like it helped me reprioritize things that I actually thought was important because, you know, with less stuff, I'm less distracted. I, I found myself paying attention to like relationships more, like just not being bogged down by things like in a suburban, I could use like five things, a cooler, you know, I kept my laptop, my phone, and that's probably it, you know, like clothes. And, yeah. I, and I not a lot of clothes. Nice. I, re I realized why, why do I need a lot of clothes? That's just more space for what, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe a towel, a shower towel, something that happened pretty, pretty frequently is so I'd shower at the gym. Oh man. And I'd still, I'd forget to bring like the other pair of underwear that I have and I'd have to wear sweaty underwear and all that <laughs> stuff was bad. I forgot my shower shoes one time, one time immediately got athlete's foot. I was so <laughs> upset. I was like, geez, it's that, it's that ruthless. And it, yep. and it was. Yeah, yeah. The shower, the shower thing is definitely um, being six five in an RV shower does not work. And taking You're doing the Will Ferrell Elf. Yeah, and doing the the um, I'm doing like the military shower too, like the on off water to conserve water because we're set mm. up to totally boondock. We right now we're we're with water and electric at a place we're staying um, at a private place, but. Um, we're set up. We sat in a watermelon field for four months in Texas and just oh, ran nice. off solar power. And uh, there was a water spigot up the hill that we would fill our tank and we have an extra tank in the truck. So we do the conserve water thing. And with three St. Bernard's, they get the most of it. But showers come <laughs> like, you know, every other day. And it's like on off, on off, on off. Clean your I'm sorry, man. Here I am. Oh, it happens. It's, it's Starlink. It's Starlink. <laughs> um, hey, I did. I did the same thing with my podcast too. First seventy episodes, hot spotting off a phone. This is, man. I, my phone would overheat. I get it. <laughs> I would. I totally. I just roll it. with. It. I just roll with it. I do a show every morning, and I'll like start swearing in the middle of it, blurbing <laughs> out, and then it'll come back. And perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> yeah, it just is what it is. But anyway, um, we stayed at a hip camp that had a, um, uh, on demand outside shower. It was mm -hmm. at like some guy's house and he was going out of town and I was like, Hey, if I bring the propane tank over, can I use that outdoor shower? And he's like, fucking go for it. And I took an <laughs> hour and a half outdoor shower in Texas. I was like watching the sunset. My wife was there. It was like, <sighs> like I had taken a real good shower in like four months six months oh. and i'm like i was just standing there as hot as it would go yeah <laughs> just just let, let it burn your skin. i think one of my favorite memories is like 
it's probably like six or eight months into the, into living in the suburban. And I like got to stay at one of my friend's house inside. And he said, he's like, take as long as you need in the shower, fog up the mirrors. <laughs> he's like, I get it, man. You know, and I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Oh, this for feels sure. great. For yeah. sure. So you were, uh, you were doing work for the, for the department of defense and you lived a long, happy career doing that because they loved you and, and everything was good. And your employment just terminated because it was contract was over. <laughs> nah. uh, so I quit and I think I don't know if I'd say the relationship was all that great because I did undergo a government investigation like halfway through um, yeah I mean were you just a shady individual all around or were you I mean did, was there cause for the, <laughs> the investigation like no there was no cause <laughs> no. I was actually I was actually doing I've uh, I mean, from my perspective, I was doing more work and more valuable work than each of my coworkers in terms of like what we we're doing and time put in. So in the government, it's pretty un like, at least in my department, overtime is not encouraged, you know, like don't don't do overtime and also don't try harder than you need to, you know, like show up and just like, you know, kind of like send a couple emails and go home. You know, none of us, not, nobody there really wanted to like really get after it and i was the opposite and i was i was right out of college i was excited to be in the workforce i wanted to make a difference and so i started and you're a motivated person you just got done yeah. with college in three years dude you you got the wrong fucking job they chose the wrong guy yeah they should have told me no i think they thought it was gonna be like sweet we'll have somebody that like really wants to do good work until they realized we gotta manage a guy that really wants to do good work what are we gonna do with them because I'd like come up to him, I'd be like, "Yeah, hey, I have all these ideas," and then I would just start doing them, which is probably you know, to my to my benefit and to my detriment, <laughs> at least with the right. government, because there's so many layers of bureaucracy of like, you have to get it approved. Oh, you want to do a project like that? Okay, we'll fill out this form, we'll send this form to someone else, and then they'll send it to like a different agency, and then maybe in eight months you can like start it if if it's that soon. But that wasn't how I did things. I was just like, "Hey, I have an idea, and I started today. Sorry, I already did most of it." You know, it's like. <laughs> And there's, there's, there was like, there was an interaction with, I think the title was, it was the TD. I don't remember what that stood for, but it was like, there was like the XO was the guy, the commanding officer at the very top of our parent organization. And then there was the guy right below it who made a lot of like the logistical decisions. And I'd never met him. Cause obviously I was like, you know, I was a new, new guy there, but I was doing a bunch of things. And this one time I like ran into him in the hallway and I was like, Hey, you know, you're the TD. Like, you know, great to meet you. And he was like, I know who you are. You need to stop what you're doing and walked away. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm done. This is it. You know? And then the next week they like called me into the office and they're like, yeah, so we've launched a government investigation on you. And uh, I'm like, what's happening? Um, so that was followed by, you know, questioning and then like going through all my my work text messages, my slacks, my emails, my time cards, my oh, you know, everything I've ever written, everything I've ever worked on, asking me where I live. And I think it happened. At least this is what they told me. They like told me they said somebody has a strong inclination that you live in your suburban and we think you're a bum stealing from the government. And I was like, why they like they actually said stealing from the government so you can travel. And I was like, you think I, I'm stealing so I can travel? I'm here every day. Where am I traveling to? You're like, you would know. And so, and, well, that, and, yeah. I mean, 
yeah, so they they didn't like the go-getter in you. And so they needed a reason to figure out why you were such a go-getter. Why why yeah. are you doing more than you're supposed to? There's got to be something to it. <laughs> There's got to be something wrong with this guy. Yeah. And and that was that was a pretty pivotal time for me too because as soon as that happened, all of my friends and family were telling me, "Hey, I think this is you know time to wrap it up. Like this is a good sign for you to stop living in your car, just get an apartment, do you know, just go to your job, go home." And at this point, I had paid like forty grand off, so I had twenty grand to go, and and I was like, "Not a chance! Like I'm so close to paying this off. There's no way that I'm like going to give this up." So. Um, what ended up happening, which I think is just weird and funny. Um, the girl I was dating previously, she went off to study abroad and one of her friends gave me a call and was like, Hey, I'm watching so-and-so's car, but I'm going to go study abroad. You need to watch this car. It was a Toyota Corolla. And I was like, no, I live in a car. There's not a chance I'm going to watch this other car. Like, what do you want me to do with two cars? I live in one. And so she's like, I don't know, figure it out. So she came and she dropped off this Toyota Corolla. And so I, I parked my Suburban to Walmart. I ran eight miles back to this car, drove this car to Walmart, stayed in, stayed at Walmart for like seven or eight days and started driving the Toyota to work. And this is the first time my, my employers have seen me in a different car. And I remember like three or four days after I started driving the Corolla and uh, one of my managers came up to me and was like, I don't know why they think you live in your car. You have two cars. How could, how could you be living in a car? And I was like, that's exactly right. And like a week and a half, the government investigation went away. That was it. Like they just was like, oh, he must not really live in a car. And just gave up. So weird. So weird. Oh, no, it doesn't surprise me one bit. It doesn't at all. Like when we started looking into moving Nomad, and the hoops you have to jump through to not have an address. Mm, yeah. It's like, I can only imagine working for them and trying to do it. But just normal employers, uh, credit cards, uh, bank accounts, all that. Like, you need an address. Like, there's plenty of services that'll do it for you. Um, that uh, you, can, you can get a mailbox and, like, I can get residency. But holy shit. It's like. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a big PO box guy now. I just have a PO box and people PO can box. mail me stuff there. Yeah, yeah. We we got a we're setting up um, residency in South Dakota, so we have oh, a nice. we have a mailing address and a and a, it's an actual residency address in South Dakota. So we have to Sweet. travel up there and and change everything over before it's official. But that's coming in July. We had to get some documentation around and. But we can now um, we can now go up there once we get residency. It's uh, we have to be there for one night every five years and have the intention of moving there eventually when we're done traveling. So if yeah. nothing better comes up, I'll have to be going back to South Dakota when uh, when everything winds <laughs> down with this project. <laughs> they, did they say one night every five years? That's, yeah, I feel like that's that's an easy trade off. That, yeah, that's um, yeah, they do it for a lot of military, like traveling military families and traveling nurses, over the road truck drivers, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, utilize it a lot. So I think the state realized that they can they can benefit from it because they don't have state income tax. So it's not like they have to mm. worry about that. But you can with residency, you can register your car there. You can do all that, nice. which is revenue for the state. I was yeah. like, well, the big thing is, oh, it was an income tax. 
well, there's no income tax. So it's an only just a benefit for them to, to allow that. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you choose South Dakota for a specific reason? Oh, uh, we used to live country. in, well, we used to live in Minnesota. Um, and there were some, there were, we wanted to be able to do it in a no state income tax state. Uh, if we were going to choose, we might as well choose the most, the, the most beneficial one to us. Yeah. Um, and South Dakota was right next to us and we had had plans to leave and go there and get it accomplished. Uh, but we didn't, uh, the sale of our house ended up falling through. So we had to, we had to set, head South before we had sold the house and in order to change residency we couldn't own pro uh, primary residence in another state mm. so mm. we had to go to texas for the winter and now we're working our way back up to go to south dakota to spend our night yeah nice well it's fun to get to travel you know go down there go back up there That's oh fun. yeah yeah that was i mean that was kind of the goal uh, originally i had a friend down in texas that i networked through um my show and my show's community um, kind of hooked up with him and he's a butcher down there, needed some help over the winter. So I went down and helped him out. Uh, now we're up in Tennessee doing some work from a buddy that, uh, he's in Canada. He bought a property down here. So I'm doing some work for him on that. And then we're gonna, yeah, it's, it's just like kind of traveling around doing work where I can want to do it, I guess yeah. it's comfortable. Yeah, my wife my cool. wife works remote so that helps she works remote as a for a hospital Ooh, that's, that's sweet man i think that's the whole point of like living a lifestyle like that is having the freedom to do what you want go where you want you know not yeah, have yeah. to walk in at a particular building yeah she fought for a long time she's actually uh, the first employee in her company to ever work remote part-time and but then had done that for years before like the whole COVID thing came around. And then they were like, everybody needs to work home for home. And she's like, okay, uh, I do it already three out of yeah. five days a week. And then she took that to the extreme and now she works remote from like literally anywhere in the country. <laughs> well, it's gotta be in the U S I think we have to stay in the U S but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that works. Yeah. That will do it. I'm yeah, curious yeah, more about fun. your uh, homestead. Tell me more about your homestead too. Cause I've been, oh, shit. <laughs> or, yeah, because uh, I think about that all the time. And I think that's like a, an important thing to like get the system going. Was it difficult to set up? Um, it was five years of hell, really. Uh, not, oh. not, not that I didn't enjoy it, uh, but yeah. my wife and I decided. So we bought 35 acres on it was a, a, a old farm uh, in rural Minnesota, uh, about 90 miles outside of Minneapolis. And at the time, I had a really good paying job in the suburbs of Minneapolis, and my wife worked in the city at the time, full time at the same job she's at now, but uh, yeah. in the office. And so we commuted uh, 90 miles and set up a farm and set up a five-year plan to, if it worked, we were going to, one of us would be able to be there full time. If it didn't, we would scale back and we would do it as a hobby farm and work and figure out how to get jobs closer, making less money. Like there was a plan to this. Um, and about four years into it, I was out with some pasture raised turkeys in the field and got dumped on in snow. We got 18 inches and it was like October and yeah. I lost my shit. And I was like, I can't, I can't stay here and do this anymore. It's hard enough to do it let alone do it in three months a year. And so we yeah. started looking at other locations and like Tennessee um, was a hundred more growing days a year. 
So like a third of a year more to get stuff done to survive a third of the year less in the winter. Like I was doing it as hard as possible. Uh, And so we were like, we're going to go somewhere else. And so we just picked someplace and we wanted to buy raw property. We want to do the homestead thing again, uh, but do it from the scratch because the farm we bought was, it was fucking set up completely wrong. Mm. Um, And so we wanted to do it ourselves, but we needed someplace to live when we got there. And so we started going through options. We wanted to live in a yurt, um, but we needed someplace to how to get there and live until we get the yurt put up and this and that. And so we're like, well, we'll just do an RV to stay in. We'll travel out there. We'll stay in the RV. We'll do the work while we're in the RV. We'll put up the yurt and then we'll have this RV. And I'm like, well, why the hell are we going to Idaho? Because we had just randomly picked like uh, the banana belt in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, it's pretty. I was like, well, yeah, it's pretty, but I've never been there. Have you been there? She's like, no, Um, (laughs) we just saw it on the internet and we were just going to pick someplace. I was like, well, we're going to make this RV to live on raw property. So it's going to have to have solar. It's going to have to have uh, all the shit. If I'm going to do all that work, why don't we just drive around for a while and see where we actually want to be? sit down for a month, sit down for two months, buy a little plot here, made it, make a hip camp. Um, We had a hip camp on our property in, in, um, in Minnesota. So Mm -hmm. like buy two acres and put a hip camp in, and then we can stay there when we want. If it's the summer we like there and then sorry about the earthquake. I one of my dogs is itching himself underneath. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. That's Um, that's what we do. but, But no, like, um, you know, regulate our weather by where we have property and do really low maintenance projects, do like long-term perennials and food forests and put in campsites and that kind of thing everywhere we go and help people do that too. And so that's what we did. We said, screw Idaho. And we took two years and sold the homestead and redid a trailer. And that's where we're at now and kind of getting it going. We've been on the road It'll be a year in October, I think. So six months, eight months. That's an incredible journey. I think that's a a wise move to be like, you know what? I'm going to see what I actually want and where I want to go. Then be like, you know, I'm going to spend it. When it came together and we were like, well, we're going to have this RV. Why are we going to Idaho? And we both kind of looked at each other and went, it's really pretty. Like, I want to go there. We drove through there on the way on our first test run with the trailer. We drove out to Seattle and back to go to a festival. And we went through the area we we're going to go to. And we we're like, I mean, I think I could have made it work <laughs> like it yeah, would have yeah, been. Right? Yeah. But I'm I'm definitely ecstatic about what we're doing and um, and booking jobs to help people to to go and, and meet community face to face, work with them, understand what they do, figure out and, and work with their business. Um, and. I'm all about kind of the think tank thing. Like I do consultation mm-hmm. for people that just, you know, bounce ideas off, bounce idea off me. And I'll, I'll just tell you what I think, like take it or leave it. Um, I'll probably get yeah. you a decent idea. Um, and so I like to go places and work with people like the, my butcher friend, he owns his own, uh, own deer processing and things like that. Well, over the winter working with him three days a week, we've spun out, a, we figured out how to get him going on a seasoning um, membership thing and selling different things um just by spurring that brainstorming thought so yeah it's yeah, fun. It, yeah it seems super fun and especially because it seems like you're working with people you enjoy 
to be around. You get to travel to them. And like, who doesn't love brainstorming? Who doesn't love spitballing ideas? That seems like oh, yeah. a, yeah, a it's dream my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite. So, so did you, did you ride out the whole, um, were you in the suburban for the whole DOD job when you quit? Did you stay in it then? Did you get a new job and was it okay with them? Uh, so I stayed in the suburban pretty much all the way until 2020. And then that's when I got a place pretty much when they started letting us work remote, which seems kind of odd because it would have been <laughs> ideal if I could have worked remote in my suburban the whole time. But uh, that's when I parted ways with them. And then now I haven't, I, I haven't got a job since. I ended up quitting the job because of like a, a weird, I haven't said this publicly. It was like a very weird interaction where I got deployed on like a, a three month operation to test some equipment. And there was a guy that worked at our you know, facility who had a track record of, let's say inappropriate workplace behavior. And what I mean by that is he he punched an intern in the face and then they gave him like a year paid leave, which I don't understand that punishment at all. Um, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you just pay this guy to have a vacation. I'm like, who do I have to punch in the face to get the same thing? But <laughs> we can yeah, I do it like, twice for two years? <laughs> yeah, like, why are you guys encouraging this guy? So he came back like and then not too long after he like maybe I was his next target. I don't know. But like we we were out there doing stuff and like. Uh, I rolled up with somebody else and he just like started berating me and was like, I'm going to choke you out, man. And I'm like, dude, this guy's off his rocker. Like, this is bad, you know? And so I like called my, I called, I think I called HR and I was like, Hey, HR, this is like, this guy's saying crazy stuff to me. And then I got a call from my manager and he was like, why would you call HR? Now I can't, I can't help you. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're mad. I called HR. And so uh, that was the moment that I was like, I think my time here is going to wrap up, you know, like I, I, the government investigation, you know, I, I, I could handle. But after that and then so post post that experience, I haven't had a job since just been uh, building businesses, different types of businesses, many of which have failed, but some are going well. You're a serial entrepreneur, huh? I think. I think it's in my personality to be, I would like to be just one, <laughs> a single uh, business entrepreneur. What I did was immediately after is I'll tell you a failure and then I'll tell you some of maybe some growing successes. Uh, I, once I quit, I made some online course and material about how to get out of debt. Cause I just did it and I did it super fast. You know, I paid off 60 K in 11 months. And I soon learned that selling to people without money can be very difficult you know it's like it's like hey like i'll do an hour consultation with you for free because you know, i really want you to have this transformation and then i'll look at their numbers and i'll be like man i don't even want to charge you for this you know <laughs> you get you're really going through it man so yeah and and then i realized like that's not sustainable i need to get out of this uh this, this industry <laughs> that's perfect though um i i might i might actually I might have to pick your brain on on something that you might be interested in. Not not online. We'll do it. We'll do it otherwise. But um, deal. I just I I noted it down because just your background and your attitude makes me wonder if you'd be something you'd be interested in. But anyway, so you uh, you made some online course material and got out of that. And what have you been doing since? Like 
you're obviously doing doing all right. You got a decent podcast going on, and, and you're interviewing some pretty cool people. And what else you got going? Yeah, so I do. A, it's a done for you podcast service. So pretty much people that have businesses and want to get into the podcast space, but they don't want to do any of like the technical or the jargon or like figuring out their niche or figuring out what they're what content they're going to put out or figuring out who they want to talk to. All that stuff. Pretty much all of, all of the things that I think when people watch a podcast, they're like, "Oh, podcasts are so fun." They only have to do the fun part. That's 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 the part that I try to like let them do let them hop on the mic but everything else is already taken care of you know distribution editing post-production work all of that stuff that's that's the main agency that is going now and i think that's a natural progression from doing the podcast for i think i started in like 2018 so i feel like i paid my dues on it i know how to grow it so and people people and it feels good because people came to me for something like this rather than me trying to solve a problem in a market that doesn't even exist you know it's like oh there is a there's some sort of demand because people are you know that's, bringing, that's bringing fantastic so you had you had people inquire about this doing it for them and uh and you were able to spin that up into a business what a correct what a wise move <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because I, I rejected it so Did the you? first person that the first person that asked me I said, no, I don't do that, man. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything that like is in the podcasting space just because I wanted at least my podcast to like be a service to the public. You know, it's like, this is just me, like me trying to like provide good information to people, but it's like, you know, like you could still provide, like the whole point of a business is to like solve problems and provide a service and being compensated for that is appropriate. You know, like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So um, I think I hit him up the same guy six months later and I was like, Hey man, I'm, st I'm down, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do this for you. And that was the first one that kind of got things going. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I, uh, I really see where there is a need for that service. And I also appreciate what you're saying about your podcast being like a service service to the people. Um, <laughs> I, so I started out on red circle, uh, as a, with my host. And mm -hmm. uh, I signed up and I signed up like two years before I ever recorded an episode because that's how long I was planning on doing a podcast. Uh, and two years later, when I went to upload it, about a week before that, they were like, oh, we're we're changing our thing. I signed up so early it was free. Um, nice. And they're like, we're changing it into a pay model. But you're grandfathered in with your, your podcast that signed up already uh, for free. And you get yeah, the basic yeah. level for free. And I'm like, well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never putting ads on this podcast because I don't pay anything for this hosting. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it. And then at one point, I was like, you know, people like my interview shows. Like, mm -hmm. people, they're probably one of the better shows. I like do two a week. I'm going to I'm gonna go on Spotify and I'm going to put my mm -hmm. interview shows on Spotify. Just upload them twice. That one's going to have ads on it when it's eligible. That's one that like you want to listen to all the bullshit every day yeah. uh, and pick through and, and pull out the interviews. Like I'll put it out for free. But I, yes, you do need to get yeah. compensated for your time. Yeah, I, I yeah, 100 percent. And I think the podcasting space is already so interesting because like there, it, it feels like to me there's so many ways to monetize and yet many podcasters probably share the same sentiment that we do of like some of this should be free and some of this should not be free and maybe i'll do i'll monetize a little bit in this way and then a little bit that way and it's right. like 
You know? Have you and, and, explored value for value at all with your clients and stuff? Um, ooh, like fount, fountain, uh, like the fountain app or uh, Bitcoin Lightning. Uh, there's apps and there's services right now that users get paid uh, fractional incremental Bitcoin for listening to podcasts. They Whoa. can send um, creators um, value back. You can like boost your, you can boost the, um, the podcaster. Like my podcast is on there. Say you're listening to my episode and you like something I say, you can send me 500 Satoshis. And I don't know how much you know about crypto, but it's basically, you know, a, a fraction of a cent. Um, but it's hard Bitcoin and, you know, it's quantity over quantity, quantity over quantity, really. Um, yeah, if yeah. you have enough, if you have enough pennies going in the jar, you all of a sudden have a full jar. It's that kind of theory, but you can also stream per minute. Like I can set it up that I like your podcast. So every minute I listen to it, it sends you five Satoshis and I have Whoa. a wallet that I fund. Um, so that's something that's, uh, that's pretty cool uh, to monetize. Yeah. It's uh, more of a value for value. Like I don't make you pay for it. You give me what you think it's worth. Um, yeah. You like it more, you share it. There's uh, in Fountain, the particular app, there's uh, a way that I, you can take my podcast and take a clip that you like and clip it out and share it on your profile. And people can send you value for sharing that clip. Whoa, that's sweet, um, man. All of these things are, that's a great, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then Noster um, is another protocol that I've, I'm getting involved in that is a value for value. It's it's set up right now like Twitter um, almost, but they're integrating new things left and right. But instead of a like button for a, a, like a, a post, yeah. there's a zap button and you can send people Satoshis for their posts on on the on the service. So I post my link to my podcast episode in the morning. Somebody likes it. They just, they hit the lightning bolt and they can choose how much they want to send me for that post. Man, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think it's awesome. It's in the crypto space too. Um, most of these people that I, I, I work with, they're, how I have them set it up is they have a business that they run. So it's like filtering people in. There's probably similar to your your consultations, you know, getting people that are part of the community that end up wanting to work with them. Or in a lot of cases, these people value the network that they build more so than anything. So trying to ensure I'm connecting them with people that they're excited to like interview and be guests with and they're like want to be friends with them and things like that. But I think, dude, that's awesome. How did you find out about all the, the crypto and podcasting space? I didn't even know that was a that was a subsection we were working with. Well, you know, do you know, um, you know, uh, Adam Curry, uh, No Agenda, uh, like the one of the guys that started all podcasting, I guess he built this. He built this podcast 2.0 index, and it kind of basically is a mirror of Apple, the Apple podcast feed. Um, mm -hmm. But it's integratable with crypto and value for value. He he came to the conclusion that um, if you ask people to give you value and give them a way to do it, uh, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Like if you provide an avenue for you to show you 
that I pre you show that you appreciate my content, you will do it. Like if you got to pay, you know, 10 cents to comment and I'll read the comment, but you had to pay. So it's this, it's the super sticker value, uh, the super sticker thing on YouTube. It's like the same thing, but it's direct between the consumer and the content creator. There's no, yeah. there's no fees in the middle. There's no anything in the middle. It's direct relationship. And, um, yeah. So I listened to a podcaster, Jack Spearco, that kind of talks about value for value for a long time. Um, on his show, uh, I came uh, out of basically um, his community. There's a bunch of spawn communities and he just brought it up and we've kind of run with it from then, from now, from there, excuse me. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. A friend and I, the guy, the butcher guy that I went down and helped, we actually do a, a crypto podcast once a week about oh, nice. um, lightning, uh, the lightning network and micro payments and things like that. So that's how I got that's into awesome. it. That's <laughs> awesome. That's incredible. How is it? How is it doing two podcasts? Uh, oh, shit, week, dude. Two I, separate podcasts. I'm I'm lucky. Josh does all the all the back end stuff for Lightning for Liberty. I just uh, I just show up and talk and do love do, it. Do research, uh, but man, it, it was at, at some point I was actually doing a show every Monday through Friday morning and uh, interview Monday nights, releasing a pre record on Thursday nights, doing the the pod the crypto one on Tuesdays, and another one that was just like a. Basically, it was a bunch of podcasters that got around, sat around and talked about bullshit. Like, yeah, you know, when you got you, you want to just go podcast because you enjoy it and you don't want to have to have a topic and you just want to sit around and bullshit and nobody cares yeah. about what the topic is. And nobody if yeah. nobody watches or listens, you don't even give a shit. Yep. Yeah, that's what the show was. And it was like two <laughs> hours every Wednesday night. And awesome. uh, at one point I was just like, I got to stop. I was four nights a week uh, and, and five mornings a week. And I was just like, Ooh, Ooh. Go like for it. I, was, I was a bartender yeah. for a decade and I just talked like about whatever, whenever. Yeah. You have the you're able to connect with people quickly. I love that. I've been thinking about getting another podcast going, but probably similar to what you're saying. Like it's, it's, it's not like you're not signing up for something that's going to be a commitment. You know, as soon as you say you're going to put one out, you're going to put one out every week. You have to be there every week. You got to show up every week. Yeah, we I spun something up to, actually to spur me to do mine. It was the was the main contributor to it. But I was like, OK, um, I've been I've been dicking the dog on doing my show for two years and um I gotta, I gotta hold myself accountable. So I started talking to some people. I'm like, what do you think about a collaborator thing? Like yeah. there's all these, there's all these podcasters. We all have like shows. I didn't have a show yet. I was like, you know, you have to pretend like you have something before you have yeah. it. So you can yeah. talk yeah. authoritatively. They knew I didn't have one. The people I was talking to, they were community <laughs> members, but I was like, they're, they're smaller than like the big guys. And I was like, what if we had like a group of people that got together and just talked and bullshitted about homesteading every, you know, once a week in the evening. Yeah. And we committed to do it. We did it for over a year and it was fun at the beginning when everybody was excited and then it was just like, eh, and then it kind of went a little downhill. And then we, we fortunately were able to just say it ran its course and we called right. it off, but um, that was fun. But yeah, you make a commitment, you, you, it, it really, it, it's not something you can get out of 
you can't be consistent and grow. Like if you want to do it for fun, do it, it. Yeah, do it once every it. couple of weeks or once yeah. every couple of months. But if you want to do it and and kind of dedicate something to it, you gotta definitely be. Yeah, and I think I think that is the delineation between hobbyists and people that want to do something with it is that exactly what you said right there showing up and let doing the fun stuff like we mentioned or doing all the pre-work showing up doing all the post work being consistent you know making sure your branding's good making sure your niche is right your messaging you're finding the right people like you're you're like removing the ums that bother you all those things when you know if it was a hobby podcast i'd show up i wouldn't say you know i'd say whatever's on my mind and you know like yeah. you said if somebody's on the and other it, side, that's awesome. If not, and it, it's weird. I, I talk to people and they, they're like, you, you have like, I have four, this is, this will be, this will be in the four twenties, actually 420 episodes of my show in like a year and a half. And they're like, oh, wow, you got, you got to be bigger than you are. And I'm like, yeah, I, I probably should be. Uh, but like we talked about when the internet went out, um, it is what it is. I did it. I did it before I went to work for a 10 hour shift every morning when I started. And oh my gosh. That's I like crazy. I set everything up so that I could get up in the morning, record it live on StreamYard because I had very limited internet because I was paying for data. Um, mm -hmm. And so I used StreamYard and I could send it to seven different video streams and then just download the audio and upload the audio to my audio host. And so I had all the show notes. I had everything pre-done the night before. I got up and I hit record and I recorded it and downloaded it and uploaded it to the audio host and posted it and listened to it on my drive to work. <laughs> my goodness. I think, I mean, hey, that's just, that's a super similar mindset to what we were talking about earlier. That's like, I'd say that's part of the obsession crew, you know? It's like being it's willing to, like, to dedicate stuff that's uncomfortable, doing things that are like, outside the norm because you want to do this and make this thing happen i can't i i bet you there's probably like a very limited amount of people that were willing to get up before their shift just to ensure that they had a podcast out that day like that's <laughs> that's saying you know that's saying that's saying a lot well yeah i mean it is it is what it is. it's kind of insane it's like i look back and it, it, it it's insane and i do it I, like the volume of stuff i do i could probably do a lot less but this is my routine now and i can't do less it it is what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's what I do. And I have people, I have people now that, that now they rely on me and they say that Saturday and Sunday mornings they're off because they don't get up and have coffee with me at 6am every day. Um, <laughs> if when I was sick and That's I was awesome. gone for a week and I couldn't do my show, they were like, Oh my God, my day just, it's weird. Like I'm not, I'm not, that's part of my routine. I'm always there. I'm always there six o'clock yeah. every weekday at morning that's fantastic there's a <laughs> there's a book by pat flynn i haven't read it but i've read a lot of spark notes and it's pretty much around like the um i think it's a thousand raving fans essentially and it's like mm -hmm. you don't need crazy massive numbers you just need people that really rock with the stuff that you make you know well you and that and and taking the smaller taking the smaller road the the less produced road the the very authentic me and i am i'm a dick like i'll i'll wholly admit it um i i swear a lot i i talk about shit that people makes them uncomfortable 
I uh, was a bartender for a decade. Then I worked in blue collar maintenance jobs and factories. I am an asshole. Um, I'm working on myself. I'm a lot nicer now that I'm on a, an RV roaming the world barefoot and, uh, you know, grounding and doing this. Yeah. Shit. Um, but I could be a lot more successful if I tried to be somebody else, but I want that thousand fans that like me for who I am that like me that i have a kitchen behind me and a kit and you know like i'm not in a studio and i don't care like like that's that's my mo that's why i do so much because i know i have to do more to beat the people that are playing the game to be me and find those authentic fans yeah and it's like I, i think most of the people that even if they do even if they have all the equipment and have all the studios, if they're faking their personality at some point, that's going to show its face, you know, and, and nobody, I, I don't think anybody can get away not getting caught on faking something that they're not because it seeps through, you know, you can only pretend to be someone else for so long before either they're exhausted or, you know, people catch on and like, I don't think this guy's being sincere and yeah. who's going to listen to someone that's not sincere or authentic. Like, it's like almost like, if somebody's faking all their opinions, it's like, well, why, who, you know, who are you appeasing? You know, right. It's weird. It's the flyby. It's the numbers. It's the numbers game. It's saying what's popular and, and riding that wave and just continually having to ride the wave, I think. And it's exhausting. I've, I've seen people in, uh, in my circles that have, have gone through that. I think it is it's what a face. it is. I'm sure it's it a face. I, I think people that start podcasts too. I have a couple of friends that are recently started some and they like put on a, a host voice, which I probably, I probably did this too. When I first started, who knows, you know, I'm like, welcome to the show. And it's like, what is going on? Who is this? You know, I'm like, Hey, just be yourself, man. You know, like you don't have to, you don't have to like, I, I think something that and here's a, here's a hot take for you, Brian is, I think people don't give enough credit to themselves in the sense I think people are innately interesting. Like the reason we enjoy connecting with other people is because who they are is interesting, not who they try to be, not how they're playing things up. Like that's why people like to people watch. They're not watching people pretending to be other people. They're just watching people being people. So that alone is interesting. Yeah, I I totally agree. I totally agree. I tell you, um, my my current wife, I one of our first dates, we went to a mall and sat on a bench. And she's like, what are we doing? I said, I want to sit here and we'll watch people. And let's talk about them. Like, we yeah. had so much fun. <laughs> like, it's kind of sick and twisted because we were, like, making fun of people. But the, who did it hurt? Like, like yeah. they're random strangers walking and we were having jokes and and getting to know each other and talking and laughing um i think people watching is is super fun yeah it's super exciting and it's i I also i was thinking about this the other day it's like you can you don't have to judge people to make judgments about people and what i mean by that is somebody can be living a certain way and you don't have to judge that you know like oh man you shouldn't do that but you can also make the judgment like i can see that you're doing that thing go ahead do your thing but it doesn't mean you have to be in my life you know i don't want i don't need to be around you stuff like that yeah and well in my my whole thing i'm i'm an anarchist a voluntarist whatever like i don't give a shit what you do as long as you're not hurting me or someone else you do you man like cool <laughs> i don't agree with it 
but that's okay. Like that's okay. And, and that's kind of disappeared in our world. Um, it's you agree or you're bad. Um, or you agree or you're going to scream at me. Uh, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I vehemently disagree with that. And congratulations. You have a different opinion. <laughs> don't, don't hurt somebody with it. Yeah. Don't hurt me and don't steal my shit. And we're cool, man. Like you do you. Yeah. Uh, the, the ability to, to have dialogue and disagree is, is, yeah, it's a skill set that uh, <laughs> or we could definitely work on. <laughs> well, and then I, I have to couple that with the very blunt nature of my personality. And like, I'll ask people questions and they get offended. And I'm like, I know I, I, I'm not. It's not Seriously, any. Man. I just I'm just I just want to know the answer. Like, I am yeah. not holding it against you. This is just my way of understanding what you're thinking. I don't care what you think. Oh, I do. Obviously, I'm interested in learning what you think. Like, like you can think it. It's not. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to change your mind. <laughs> I stopped right. trying to change people's minds. Is what happened. But I still have that interrogating, wanting to understand them, and blunt nature about it. <laughs> yeah, I think the best the the best thing I've heard is like going into like a conversation like that where it could be two very differing opinions. It's not necessarily going into the conversation to change someone's mind. It's one, to understand the other person's position, but two, more importantly, causing both parties to think critically, like walking away with something like, oh, yeah, but I, I hadn't really thought about that. And I, I don't think that happens because people are, ooh, let's get general here, the generalization. <laughs> like we hold, we hold our opinions really close to our personal value and so it's like when you say you might ask a question to me and if i'm offended or take that on it's because that that opinion is providing value to who i am which usually is not the most healthy thing to do our identities should be separate or at least in something that you know provides a a larger value uh when i stepped away when i stepped away from politics like i i ran the gamut like i went from that uh that college kid that thought everybody should get shit free to you know like conservative republican and then uh constitutional conservative and then libertarian and then i was like this is fucking stupid um (laughs) that is the full gamut (laughs) yeah i mean so like uh once i checked out of that and once i really checked out of tv too uh i got away from the identity shit and the pitting against and really realized i was trying to convince people of what i thought Mm. and now I ask the same questions, but I'm trying to change my mind a lot of the times instead of trying to change theirs. Like I'm trying to understand them and wonder if they're maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably not. Like I've been wrong once, I think. <laughs> but oh, but, but <laughs> there's a there's a there is a time for for everything. Yeah, um, that's true. But no, like I ask the same questions but to understand them enough to possibly change my mind. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And you can't change your own mind until you fully understand something I like to do, like a practice when I feel like I'm getting into a conversation like that is after somebody says something to me, repeat exactly my understanding of what they said, just so I know that I, I actually am like bringing it in because you know, I'm, I'm probably no exception to any of these like, 
these rules that we have, but it's like, if I don't do that, I'm sure I'm just thinking of like my comeback or like exactly what I'm going to say next. And it's like, if I can, if I can iterate what you said to me, then I feel like I can fully understand it. Right, right, right. And well, and then there's a lot of communication error. There's a lot of communication, miscommunication. Um, I think there was a lot of breakdown in communication with the advent of digital communications. Like nobody talks to each other anymore. No one knows how to have a conversation with emotion um, other than LOL or uh, frowny face. Uh, There's no inflection. There's no body language. There's no nothing. Live streaming helps a little bit. In-person communication done. Um, Mm -hmm. And for a person that's that's straightforward and blunt, it works like I can deal with it. Um, But people that need to thrive on the emotion, I think they they forget how to communicate. Uh, and then when they have to do it in person, they're like, yeah, what do we, what do, we do now? Which yeah. hand am I supposed to shake again? Where do I put my hand? Yeah. Do I keep these down on the desk or off? Should I sit on them? Oh, I'll just sit on them. Okay. That sounds good. But yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So you got the, you got the podcast that you do. Um, how often are you putting them out? Uh, weekly, monthly? Every Friday, 6 a.m. Be there. So nice, listen nice. to this one, get your coffee, and then go listen to the other one, and then we'll be set. And then just nice. keep going back you, and forth. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you, you interview entrepreneurs, um, kind of their stories and how they got there. Uh, it sounded like kind of the same line of, of what I like to do in interviews. Uh, and you accepting clients with the, with the podcast onboarding uh, service still? Of course. Yeah, give me a call. I'm, I'd be more than happy. And at, at least if we talk, I can at least point you in the right direction if I'm not the guy. But you know, hopefully I am. Fingers crossed. And that's uh, I have your website. I'll have it in the in the show notes, in the video notes. Uh, we're coming up in an hour, man. And I've really enjoyed the conversation. I, I, uh, I hate to spring it on you, but you got any final thoughts you like to leave audiences with? I, I like to I like to give uh, my guests an opportunity to just kind of lay something out there. And then um, any plugs you got for anything you got going on or coming up, you're, you're more than welcome to shoot them out there and we can wrap it up. Let's do it. Yeah. Final thoughts. I think I'm going to say something along the lines of if there's something that you want, don't be afraid to become obsessed with it and pair that with discipline. And it's going to be a really hard recipe for you not to be successful. Obsessing over something and then doing what it takes to make sure it happens um, and being unwavering that. Uh, and the second thing is, I think having faith in the sense of things will work out. Uh, most of like the hardest things in my life, I've, you know, if you hold on to the faith that you'll see the other side of it, you will. But we kind of are our mindset. So if you hold on to the faith that you won't make it to the other side or things won't work out, I can guarantee you that will happen too. So those are the two thoughts. Plugs. I think we already did the plug. Podcast is perfect. Go say hi. Everything else is gravy. Nice, man. Nice. Uh, I'm going to drop you off here. If you hang out for a second, we'll let everything download. I got a little closing music and something to say, and uh, I'll catch up with you in a minute. Sounds great. See you there. All right. Thanks for coming. Thanks. All right. What a great chat. Be sure to check out the links in the video notes and the audio notes to find that podcast, find his website. And uh, yeah, this has been another episode of Lots to Talk About, and we will talk to you next time.